match. It's Westworld, the recapables. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. It's Tinfoil Tuesday. I'm joined, as always, by the librarian who's fending me off from setting this whole place ablaze. It's Micah Peters. How you doing, man? Listen, you have to keep your inside voice if you're going to be in this library, and you definitely can't light matches in here. I'll say this very quietly. I'm also joined by the last analog device in the digital world, Danny Heifetz. How you doing, man? <laughs> My head is full of howling sorrow. <laughs> Holy is, shit. All right. Great. You know, uh, hashtag dark shit, Danny. Way to get us started off on the right foot. Very divisive episode of, of Westworld this week in the Ringer offices. I'm not, I don't think the world at large really really had that sort of uh, mixed opinion. But if you want to know what the haters say, you can listen to The Watch this week. Um, and if you want to know what the diehard true believers think, keep listening right now. They've uh, been excommunicated from there this was, podcast. There was a lot of talk. I think that the biggest issue came down to the, to the timelines. And I will say, in the interest of full disclosure, that... 10 minutes before we recorded this week's previous episode, I made Danny come into my office and explain to me when the, how we were, like, where the timeline jump happened. Um, because it was confusing, just in the sense that our two separate timelines are conceivably like 45 minutes apart. I mean, they're more than that. It's a week or something, but they're, but they're fair with the, you know, Strand is in one. And Bernard is wearing a different outfit, I think. But aside from that, they're sort of indistinguishable. Yeah, I was trying to explain like a very shiny tinfoil hat to you about like what I think about the cradle. And you were just like, wait, so what day is it in the first scene? Yeah, because and- they go from, the, they go from the, the torturing Bernard scene to a flash forward in just sort of a quick hand wave. And I think and I had just like been looking down at my laptop when that hand wave happened. So I was like, what the heck? Just where are we? Yeah, and, and that's the Wait, thing is... Oh. Was, it a, was it a time jump forward or back For, after they waterboarded him? Oh, I thought was, that was backward. backwards. Yeah, backwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. it's bookended by the same timeline, the most advanced timeline, like two weeks, 11 days, whatever, after the massacre at the gala. And then we kind of just go from that to a week earlier and then into the cradle and then back into... It's kind of like a nice little you. Yeah, well, and that's the way they do that a lot. I mean, Nice I did, is not the way that I would describe I did. it, but. It I is one of those things if you look away, up, you're texting. I didn't say it up front. This is the episode where we go into crazy theories and spoilers and not, we don't know anything about the show, but speculation about the future. So if you're not into that stuff, woe be it to you. But listen, <laughs> we, we, we will talk about these time, this, this timeline situation. Um, if you draw it out, it's a pretty straightforward, familiar timeline. I mean, the structure of a show from what they've done compared to what they've done before. The difference here is that the timelines are getting closer and closer together. And that makes it, you know, a little bit more difficult to wrap one's mind around. And this one, the one that's a week after the gala and two weeks after the gala, we're in the same actual location in the Mesa. Yes. So if you were texting or whatever and not paying attention like for me. that, like three seconds, <laughs> yeah, then I understand how you could have been like viscerally confused. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very. I think, I think it's safe to say that whatever they, you know, whatever the 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 creators of Westworld intended, they they could have been a little bit more over the top with that uh, with that that scene fade. Um, but all that said, in some ways, this was the most straightforward episode of Westworld, because if you get rid of the bookends, it was just the attack on, you know, Delos warehouse nine or whatever, you know I mean? It was, it was, it was a show about, um, Dolores and the horde just rampaging through the Mesa. And there was, and the other half was, you know, Bernard and Ford and the cradle chilling, talking deep philosophy uh, 
but you know, I, I thought that. Oh, I mean, I loved this episode. The first time I saw it, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, the people who like, liked it less, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But I think at the end of the day, this is a mystery box show, and, un- and uncorking these mysteries is the joy of it. And if you're looking for something else, you know, maybe this maze isn't meant for you. <laughs> isn't the joy of discovering a story, discovering the ending for yourself? I messed the quote up, but it's whatever. Yeah, it's something yeah, like it's that. Something. That, that, definitely, that, was the, that. That was definitely the, is the joy. Idea. That definitely is the joy. All right. Um, listen, we're here to talk about theories. We're here to talk about craziness. Danny Heifetz, why don't you, why don't you serve us up Regale some, us. some toasty hot takes from the Reddit world. Yeah, so we can start, as always, with where I messed up, because that's always where we end up. Oh, we got show. corrections. Um, so first off, Mike and I last week were trying to remember some chocolate candy that the control units reminded us of. Literally dozens of tweets shouting from the rooftops, Wonder, Wonder Balls. Balls. Wonder, Wonder Balls. Wonder Balls. That's what they thank, were called. Thank, thank you. Thank you. To, genuine and thank you. And now we know everyone. we should have named the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Balls. Um, an update. Olivia Trazi and Deborah Fight pointed out to me on Twitter. HBO updated the subtitles from last week, where it used to say hail mm-hmm. while Elsie's speaking. It now says Elsie. Wow. So they've updated that. I don't think that changes anything. No, of course not. It's just either just a, an egregious mistake or like a gat like I mean, 10 dimension chess. The thing like, that we keep coming, yeah. The thing that that we'll see over and over again with this show is when you're dealing with mysteries, whatever you want to call them, as intricate as the, as these, there's no real way for the showrunners to know which ones are going to land, you know, which ones are going to be yeah. like immediately perceptible to the audience and which ones are going to be the things that we realize were there up two months from now. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. If they had planned it all along as just a little Easter egg or a, a hint or whatever, uh, that they would have left it there if nobody had noticed. And the fact that everybody did means they had to, like, take action. But that doesn't mean it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. And we can get into that. And if that. it was an accident, you know, it it's hardly, it hardly matters. It's just it's part, yeah. of, it's part of the fabric of this weird experience. So. Mike is sighing. No, nah, I mean, like, it's just, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm sighing, but also it's, it's just kind of like going back to the thing that you said about, like, is it just a gaffe or is it 10th dimensional chess? I mean, it's, I'm almost tired of answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, so, so what did you get wrong? So you got next the Wonder up, Balls wrong. Well, no, Wonder, yeah, we couldn't think of Wonder Balls. That and the subtitles have been changed. And then last one I messed up, pronunciation, as you guys know, sometimes I don't always pronounce names correctly. I've heard that. Uh, yeah. Um, I wondered aloud how to pronounce E-E-O-I-N for quite some time. I corrected you on yeah, the show. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's Owen. I want to personally apologize to Owen, who corrected. He was very, very gracious about it. So, yeah, it's, it's Owen. Uh, I confuse a lot of Scottish and, Scottish and Irish things in the show. So, a, perpetual apologies for all those I've offended in the UK. <laughs> now, <laughs> on to theories. Uh, okay, so. This was a good one from... Puddle ducks. Uh, big ducks fan like D U X, not like ducks in a puddle, but puddle ducks. I don't really know what I that means. I think it's probably. I like think it's just a like a, a creative way to make ducks plural. Oh, really? Duck plural. I mean, we don't need to explain all anyway. these things. Uh, <laughs> so that could be a whole separate. That could episode. be a whole thing. Yeah. Now we know Dolores has done like countless fidelity tests with Bernard in all the years. So obviously, the implication is that. The opening scene we see in the first episode of the, or the first scene of the season and the first scene before where Dolores is doing the fidelity test with Bernard, it seems that that would be her training him, right? Uh-huh. But 
what if that's a head fake and that scene is still taking place in the future? And she is trying to basically test whether he's the same person, whether Delos and Strand and people have messed with him or that's still taking place in the future. Yeah. Well, that was my first read on the opening scene of the show was that this was taking place in the future and her, she was trying to awaken all of the other hosts or the ones that she, you know, deemed worthy of continued existence. Um, Yeah, I buy into that. You're You're still with that? Well, doesn't that complicate the end game a little bit? Yeah, I mean, like because if if the uh, if the objective is to, to eventually get out of the park and to you know uh, you know beat the humans on their own turf and we are the ideal life form, blah 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 blah. Then what? Then like in what in what setting is this conversation taking place? Like, what? Why does it matter? That- yeah, I think that that's probably expecting a little bit too much of. I mean, if, if I would say expecting too much of the show, but also if it's if it's true, it's the show expecting a little bit too much of the audience. I mean, that scene happened despite what I just what, what my assumption was. That scene was paid off when we found out this episode that that Dolores had been working with Bernard to find, you know make him like Arnold. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the logical so, like payoff of that scene. So it would seem weird to do kind of like an in reverse and like like a double fake out with it, right? Yeah, I mean, like if because uh, when when Bernard and and Ford are in the cradle and Ford is talking about, yeah, we did your tests in this house because when Arnold died, the only person that like all that was left of him were my memories and Dolores's memories because she's the oldest host in the park. So if they're doing those fidelity tests then that is, I think that we can just stop there with, you know, like who, yes. what's happening in that scene. Yeah. And okay. and if we come back around, I mean, maybe, maybe we will come back around to it, but for now, I think that's enough. I don't hate that theory. I just think that it's like, it's, it's maybe it's unnecessary at the moment. Yeah. We'll be coming back to that. Uh, okay. More, a little more Bernard from Andy Herman, who threw this to me on Twitter and also blech with four H's blech on Reddit. I think that's, that's pronounced Owen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bernard's arc will climax with Ford telling him to hurt Elsie, and he will have to pick. I think this is dead on. So if you remember when Elsie and Bernard were in the Protagoras lab and they in the Riddle of the Sphinx episode, uh-huh. and they first, after they discovered Delos, Elsie was basically like, I'll roll with you, but like you, you cannot hurt me. never Don't to hurt me again, yeah. So that's like the first promise Bernard really made in like his like, you know, he's now that he's awake and stuff. And now Ford's in his head and Ford is very much like the devil on your shoulder. I said earlier this week, he's like the voice in your head when you're in line at CVS, like buy the cookies and cream bar. Like <laughs> and murder the people and working murder behind the people people behind behind yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. shout out to the security guard who's like, I don't care if you're the employee of the fucking month. Um, yeah. The uh I, I I that that makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, like it. it, it I, I, there is no sure sign that a that a bad that a promise is going to get broken than a promise being made. On especially a TV on show the, like especially this. on this show, where yeah. the, the deeper we get into the season, like every sentence that was spoken is meaningful. You know, in passing conversation. That said, I didn't really get the vibe that like Bernard was being completely reliable in that scene. So I I, I don't know with or without Ford in his head. I I I didn't particularly believe him. You mean as when he promised Elsie that he wouldn't hurt her? You he, didn't believe him. 
Nah, because he was he he was saying that he, he was, was also like extremely fragmented at that juncture. He was really fragmented, and he kept on doing like everything that he said was like he was he was he was leading around by the by the nose. She, he kept on doing that stuff. Where every time she would leave, he was like, "Oh, I remember one more thing," and then he would get her to stay. You're shaking your head. I'm 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 not liking that. I'm very I'm I think Bernard was being very vulnerable and being very honest, and I appreciated that from him. And okay. I don't like your inherent distrust of him. It hurts me personally. Well, well you, I mean, uh, like you know, you and the robots, you, you you guys love each other. The robots are better than us humans. Okay. All right, that's fair. Okay. So, all right, those were like pretty normy things. Uh, let me let me give you some real shit. All right. Bernard. All right. So first of all, we know that Bernard is an unreliable narrator. As has been well, well established. So do you remember how this scene, how this entire episode opens? Like the opening shot of this episode. You mean uh, the opening the opening shot where where uh st- where Stubbs and uh Bernard Yeah, are Bernard's talking? lying yes. Bernard's lying on the ground, but there's a flash of him holding the picture of his son. Holding mm-hmm. the picture of his son. Yeah. And if you remember how this episode ends, it is with a lot of flashes during his conversation with Hale about Charlie. So at the very least, we know that Charlie's going to be a bigger deal here. Uh-huh. Like, they started the episode with him holding his picture. They ended it with him flashing back. Now, this is a theory that I have I heard, like, months ago, and I immediately— like, I didn't even bring it up on the show until, like, a, I think a few weeks ago because I thought it was so dumb. I now think this is true. I think Charlotte Hale is Charlie. That oh, Arnold had a daughter, no. not a son. Bro. And that, that daughter no, lived. I go, yo. I just threw my I, hat. I, I, Charlotte, Charlie. Char, Charlotte is Charlie. Oh, man. And that because oh, Bernard gosh. has been reconstructed from the memories of Ford and Dolores, either a mistake or an intentional error was introduced that affects his memories of him, of him being his son and that it's actually his daughter. I just never really die. thought about how she was that young and like a a a big executive at Delos like this and yeah you know that it's funny because Tessa Thompson sort of gets a pass because when she popped up it was just so much like high five they got Tessa Thompson you know yeah, like it yeah, seemed, exactly it seemed like it, she came in like midway through the season and it felt like. Almost like they were just like, what? what is the highest profile celebrity we can get right now in this role? You know, and she was like, right, that was like right after Creed. Yeah, right? It yeah, was just like a really, it was, it felt like just a serendipitous cat moment of casting. And I never thought more deeply. So whenever people have talked to me, like, how'd she get, why is she so young and so powerful? I've always, I'm always just like, dude, they got the chance to have Tessa Thompson. Like, that's all you need to know. Yeah. But you're right. That makes 100% sense. I fully believe that. Uh, so I'm, I'm Googling right now. With, they look exactly the same. And they, remember, they actually do. Like we, Charlie we brought, the Kid and Charlie Hill look We've mentioned like. this. We've mentioned this before. But there was the. But uh, but one of my favorite things from last season was that the actor that played Wyatt. If you look at his IMDb, he had like a beard on Westworld. But if you look at his IMDb page without the beard, he looks just like yeah. Dolores. Like he, they, they uh, could be like twins. Yeah. And yep. they, they, so this is, they, there's a precedent for this. They do and look a whole lot alike. I, I, it's hard so to imagine with, this is With that nice now thing. in your minds, or sorry, Mike, did you want to say something? No, I don't. With, I've, I'm, I'm too busy being floored. With, with, that in your, with that in your mind, let me now run through how this episode ended. And the transition from the one week after the massacre timeline to the timeline two weeks after the massacre, which is what we know, kind I guess, as present day. How Bernard transitioned there. The screen cuts to black 
and Hale is whispering, Bernard, Bernard. And then even on closed captions, then we see Dolores whispering, Bernard, Bernard. Bernard flashes back to a memory of him and Dolores when Dolores is born. Now, we know that Dolores is, remember, if you remember, there's been a lot of symbolism about Dolores being kind of like um, Arnold's daughter. A lot of symbolism of that. Dolores asks, this is back when she gets up off the table, and Dolores asks, who am I? And then it cuts, and we see the kid in the hospital, Charlie, says, dad, dad? Bernard says to him, you're alive, Charlie. Then the camera cuts back to Dolores and Bernard on the rooftop in the city from episode two of this season, where they talk about, among the things they say in this scene, which isn't in the flashback, but I went back and rewatched that scene, among other things they say, you and Charlie would have a lot in common. Yeah. And then, sorry, back to the all the flashbacks he's having. They're still at the house. We get a voiceover from Ford. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Yeah. And then we cut, and then it's Bernard in the two weeks after timeline. Bernard is crying, sobbing. And we, he- we hear a Ford voiceover, quote, one fine day we shall even resurrect the dead, end quote. Bernard is still crying. We hear another voiceover from Ford. In order to escape this place, you'll need to suffer more. And then we get a bunch of rapid fire splices. Bernard killing Teresa. Bernard watching Charlie in the ER. Bernard's wife, he was video chatting in uh-huh. season one, flash and turn to Ford in the glitch. Um, and then a range of voices cut through. And then eventually Ford breaks through it all and says, do you ever wish you could forget? And then Dolores asks, who in the world am I? And then it cuts to Bernard watching Charlie in the emergency room as Dolores says, quote, I think there may be something wrong with this world. And then a voice that sounds exactly like the voice trick they used at the end of season one, where they merged Hopkins and Arnold and Dolores' voice. There's a voice that sounds just like that Hale and Dolores saying in unison, quote, open your eyes. Wow. And then after all that, we go two weeks later, and Hale looks at him in the most emotional she's ever been in the show and says, I know it's confusing separating your real memories from the ones you've been given, but it's the only way to remember, the only way to get to the truth. All right. Wow. I'm all in. Okay. You didn't even need to make the case. I yeah. totally buy into <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I totally this buy into that This is definitely true. I mean, the, on on the only thing you have to buy into is that Ford programmed Charlie to be a boy so yeah. that he so that Bernard wouldn't figure that out basically. Yeah. I mean like also Charlie is you know like a shortened yeah for version Charlotte. of yeah, yeah short for it makes Charlotte. Perfect sense. So the question is then why would Bernard not have the right memory of that? And it's either it's I mean it's almost definitely because Ford probably gave him the wrong memory. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah. the question then is why? So that he could work with Charlotte and not, or so that not, Charlotte could exist. Oh, I guess I don't know if he had to work there if they changed it at some point, but whatever. You would because he wasn't making Arnold. He was. He said it this week. He was. You know, they they were trying to make him like Arnold, but you know, he was in some sense. He wasn't. He didn't have his consciousness. He was just seeing. You know, he kept him around as memento, but it's not exactly the same, right? It also, like, I mean, how does that explain Charlotte's interactions with Bernard as well? I mean, like, because well, in that she, scene that's, where, that's the question. Where basically everybody around, as far as we know, has already established that they know that Bernard is a host except for, except for Ashley. Like, so that scene where they unzip the body bags and they're all, you know, Ashley. previous inter- oh, inter- stubs. Yeah. yeah. Of, uh, they're all previous iterations of Bernard. She's just like, very like 
the cool way that it. she delivers that line is very like knowing, but you know, like I know that you, I knew that you had skeletons in your closet, but oh yeah, she knows, she yeah. knows. So yeah, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities. I think that this actually almost puts a dent in the their looping Bernard thing because I almost think it means that maybe Strand and them didn't know he was host, but she did the whole time because uh -huh. I mean, she would have to know. So. There's a lot of thoughts here about maybe why would Ford lie about his cornerstone memory? And there's a lot of options here, but one is, well, if you actually think this logically through, that would mean that, well, his family had some sort of rift, right? That would mean that there's certainly a scenario here where Charlotte and Arnold's wife at the time had a falling out from Arnold for some reason. Now, maybe it's because he's a, a recluse or whatever, but like Ford thought it would be easier to think that his kid died rather than disown him, probably. Mm -hmm. That kind of seems a logical point here. So why would Charlotte and or Arnold's um, wife disown him? I, just, I just for the record, I don't think it's necessary to go this far down. I mean, I'm happy okay. to go down this rabbit hole, but for this theory, but for this theory to be correct, it's like, it's not complicated. Like it, if you're not, you're not trying to replace Charlotte's dad, right? You're trying to see if you can pull off this experiment. And I mean, whether or not they're trying to actually make Arnold or just make something who's like Arnold or whatever, you wouldn't make, you're not trying to replace him literally. So why would you, so you wouldn't want there to be the point of confusion, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like this, if this if this turns out to be true, the show's going to hand wave it away. Ford's just like, no. I, you know, I did this so I couldn't, so so you wouldn't, you know, because I had to let you become a you know, to become sentient on your own and not have all this other all these confusing things in the world out there or something, you know? Yeah. So anyway, give us a short version of what you're thinking about right now. What if Arnold and Ford fell in love? Okay, next theory. <laughs> I mean, I'm, in, I'm next into theory. that. I'm into that in theory, but but we but whatever. We'll we'll, we'll get right. there when we get there. Next theory. Okay. So getting away from all that, the Valley Beyond. We have, so now we actually have a good idea of what the Valley is. Um, Ford says to uh, Bernard, you know, do you think James Dallas would have spent all that money just to resurrect himself? And then later Dolores says to Charlotte, uh, the two daughters of Arnold, maybe. Yet here we are, uh, and she has that little spinning dentist thing in her head, only we're so much more than you, and now it's you who want to become like us. That's the point of your little secret project, isn't it? I can promise you this. Your chances at eternity will die in the valley and all the souls yeah. gathered there. So we know that the Delos business model is to put human minds onto control units and let them live in host bodies for de facto immortality. And so based on what Dolores says, it's kind of flipping season one where the maze wasn't meant for humans. It was meant for hosts. Now it seems like the valley beyond is meant for humans, not hosts. It's like a flipping of that. Mm -hmm. So what are the specifics here? There's a couple of good theories. Um, one from Reddit user Many Fires has thrown out that it's a, like the Trojan horse in the Iliad. And All right. the host drowning are equivalent to the Greeks. I mean, for those who aren't sure, you know, they in the great tenure battle between Greeks who were trying to take over Troy. Uh -huh. and then, yeah, yeah, they leave t the Trojan horse and leave and then, you know, Trojan horse. Yeah. So in this scenario, the hosts, the dead host in the sea would be almost like the Greeks sailing away. In the scenario that many fires laid out, the hosts drowning are like the Greeks sailing away, like there's no threat. Bernard is the character Sinon. I'm not sure to pronounce that, but he's the one who was left on the beach behind, um, who kind of tells them what the Trojan horse is. And then um, 
they will put themselves into the bodies of the human beings who were supposed to get their bodies, and that that's the Trojan horse of sorts. But oh, I don't, the host of the Trojan horse. Okay. They're going to put themselves into the humans' bodies that you have a bunch of humans who are waiting in the Valley Beyond to get their control units put into them, and they're going to have... I, I don't believe that, because that would require a bunch of mind control unit switching, and you'd have to keep track of that. Here's what makes more sense. Those hosts are, like, alive somehow. And that those hosts can kind of wake up in the Mesa, and that the, the hosts in the sea are, like, kind of the Trojan horse. That's one theory here. Okay. I like that. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. But, that's just, fine. but that's, like, a sidebar. I don't think yeah, that's okay. the entire premise. Fair. I have one I like more. Um... As shout out to Ryan Atlas and Chantal Colbert, uh, who, unlike some people in this (laughs) room, unlike some people, appreciated my theory that Moses and Dolores have a lot of similarities. And they they pointed out that in the cradle, all those control unit things, you know, they're caught, I explained, like, you know, they're actually laying in water. And that's kind of like the sea, but it's like the Red Sea. That all those, so just, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... But I actually think that I was wrong about that. I don't think that the massive flood is necessarily the story of Exodus. I think it's the story of Genesis. And that there's actually quite a bit of similarities to the story of Genesis and Noah's Ark here. Um, And actually, all the way back to Gilgamesh. But... The more of these that the, you loop the, in, the, the more... Like the, the further you go, like, back in history... Like the, I'll be, the I'll be, more I'm checking out. I'll be super concise. Imagine if the Ark, so to speak, mm-hmm. is them uploading themselves into the cradle, so to speak. Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. we kind of know that now the Valley Beyond has to have some sort of human cradle, right? Mm-hmm. They're either just chilling as pure raw data, like a, the human beings are like in a deep and dreamless slumber. Or they're in like their own version of the cradle, like the human cradle. Yeah. If Dolores and all her gang upload themselves into that cradle, and if you think of that for a second, like Noah's Ark. And they they wait for the flood to leave. What if Bernard is like the dove? And Bernard like will wait, let them know when the storm has passed and the water recedes. I think that 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 maybe, but I'm that this is not this this is less. I mean, this is very interesting to like read about and to talk about and to like have a beer and say like, hey, what the hell? But like, <laughs> like I think that I said this the other week. I think that that in a lot of ways, Game of Thrones made the, set the template for for the way that these sort of epic stories are built which is that like every day you just like pick up a new source book and you make it matter yeah i mean that's sort of you're influenced by this stuff but just like with game of thrones to tie everything to a specific chapter in like mythology is is you know a mugs game yeah yeah that's fair definitely feels as though uh yeah i mean like you can definitely you can make it mean anything you want because there are elements in the story from every. Other. But there's no. I, I I find it hard to believe that that Nolan and Joy were just like what we're doing is retelling the Iliad, and now we just got to swap out the names and make it make them robots like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, and the truth is, is you'd be disappointed if that were true. If if you could predict the next three yes, episodes, exactly. well, I don't yeah. think it's an exact retelling, but I do think that you can look to some of the the three or four like grand archetypical sure. stories they're telling. Oh, yeah. and you can definitely have it like. Uh, you know, like try to predict what happens in the next three episodes, but I would imagine that Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan want to surprise the people that read those books too. Yep. That's true. true. Um, next theory. So looking at Ghost Nation, uh, if you saw the promo for next week, there you know, was a, lot, a lot, of, of, yes. lot of Ghost Nation. So just a quick recap on what we know. We've talked a lot about how we think this is like, this is the missing like 
link to all these stories. Um, just going through so things that Ketchita has said in the past, you only live as long as the last person to remember you. And then they've talked about how the technicians. Sidebar, Coco is on Netflix now. Yes. Just wanted to put yeah. that out there. But anyway, continue with the theory. I'm glad you brought that up. I watched that over the weekend. I cried again. But they've talked about how the technicians, they kind of worship them as the people who can walk between worlds. Mm -hmm. And what Ford said to Bernard this week was, it takes bold steps to walk between worlds. Mm -hmm. Very directly comparing those two mm -hmm. things. And we're going to get a whole Ghost Nation episode. So I want to skip ahead to the ep episode nine title, which is called Vanishing Point, which according to Wikipedia, which used to never be wrong, but now is edited by Russian troll armies and is often wrong, but don't think they got to Vanishing Point. <laughs> a Vanishing Point is a point on the image plane of a perspective drawing where the two-dimensional perspective of a mutually parallel lines in a three-dimensional space, right, appear to converge. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the set of parallel lines is perpendicular to picture plane. Uh, the construction is known as I'm a familiar one point with the vanishing point. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yep. Never mind. So I would say you could say that Bernard is the vanishing point between host and human worlds. I think it's actually you're talking about the valley beyond. It's probably the vanishing point between the digital and the physical worlds. Okay. Okay. I think that is the closest you could come to defining the valley beyond. All right, I'm into that. No complaints here. Yeah, I mean, like, I've, that, that checks out. You do, yeah. I they, think that that's very sound. We can, we can guess a lot of what these titles mean, but that seems that seems like a solid thing. Also, a lot of the titles feel like, like, they kind of had, uh, they, they came up with a list of episode titles and then just sort of arbit somewhat Built. arbitrarily assigned them to the episodes once they got cut together. <laughs> or maybe the titles were that before be the final out layout of the season. Some of them feel like they matter a whole lot to the season more than they do to the episode, yeah. but go on. This one's not a theory, but from Lee R's, Lee underscore R's captured the screenshot when they're waterboarding, when um, who apparently Carl Strand's qualified to be CIA director, but they are waterboarding Bernard, and there's an actual list of all the tortured things they can use on the, the iPad. Oh, wow. Simulation libraries. Just gonna... <laughs> crushing, dental torture, denailing, Disembowelment, dismemberment, electrical injury, foot whipping, force feeding, kneecapping, medical torture, pharmacolo pharmacological torture, psychological torture, scalping, solitary confinement, standing cell, waterboarding. Uh, yeah, it's it was pretty dark when he was just like, yeah, what are you doing to him right now? And he was just like, oh, just waterboarding. I again. said this in my recap up. from last week, but the but this is a guy who is one episode removed from saying pain is just a program. So I, I have a feeling that's going to come back around for when this torture actually occurs. You know, when we when we sort of catch up, I, my guess is that uh, he's probably putting on a show a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had not, I'm acting like I knew that beforehand, but I that is a very good point. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool. I'm glad they can do dental torture. Yeah. Good to know. Sick. And also probably worth shouting out like RIP to a theory. Oh, yeah. I really thought Arnold was going to come back. And a lot of people really felt, many people are saying that Arnold was on a control unit and was going to be able to come back. And now that seems super not going to happen. Yeah. Well, we, we I, have, I feel like him and Ford would have been drinking in the saloon maybe if that was the case. Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I was wrong on that one. Yeah. I yeah. really was happy about that. would that. be fantastic if season three was just like, Bernard and Arnold coexisting, like, and just like going on like a buddy comedy of some sort. Yeah, it'd be, it would have been 
kind of hilarious to walk in and like, well, well, when Bernard walks into the saloon and Ford's at the piano and then like Arnold's like right behind him and they're just drinking. They just walk and be like, Bernard, God damn it. How the hell you been? Yeah, that would have been. If this season turns out that like the, the, the two weeks later timeline, the most forward timeline is actually Arnold instead of Bernard. That would be the, the greatest like middle finger. I'd be like, how, how, just how useless that would be. Anyway, go ahead. Next theory. Okay. Do we think that after Ford said that, or Bernard accuses Ford of cheating the devil, and Ford's like, what, me? Nah. Um, do we think Ford uh, is one of the two fathers? Fathers. So yeah, in the, the prophecy father above that, the father below. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. That was the whole point. Yeah. So that, so do, you could look at it as Ford and Arnold, Ford and Delos, but does that change anything you think there? No. Mm. And is he cheating death slash? I don't think that he, I, yeah, no. I mean, it was Delos that sort of like created the technology to allow one to fully cheat death. Well, sorry, let me rewind it. Like, okay, go this ahead. This is a super basic question, but like really important to the most recent, like the two week later timeline. N- knowing what we know now that Ford has just hitchhiked a ride in, through Bernard's mind. He had said before earlier that like if he went into the real world, he would degrade like James Delos. Uh-huh. Do you think that in the two-week timeline, Ford is still in Bernard's head. And do you think that in the next few episodes, we will get a reveal that he's been in his head the whole timeline? Or do you think that he's, like, managed to kill Ford or Ford's died or what happened to him? I don't know. I think that's a good question. I think that's going to be the tension of the next few episodes. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was in his head the whole time. And also, th- he said he if he went out, he would degrade. I, my, I mean, I guess I, my assumption was that by piggybacking onto, onto Bernard that he found a workaround to degrading, but who knows? What's the thing? So if you look back at the last scene when, so um, Hale is just being like, tell me where Abernathy's control unit is. And he doesn't want to, and he doesn't want to, and she says analysis, and then like, she he whispers something to her, and you can't hear it, and then he repeats it for Strand, which it's this really weird thing, which you could draw some very conspiratorial things about whether what he told her was the same thing as what they told Strand. Or you could also look at it and say, that Ford is invisible to us, but Ford is there telling him to tell her it's in the Valley Beyond. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. and leading her into a trap of some sort. Mm. So I think that's like, that's probably the most important. Yeah, I mean, the whole like, God above and God below thing, I mean, it's clear. We talked about this on, on Sunday that they uh, Ford clearly sees himself as God. He's not shy about those sorts of parallels. Yeah. Anyway, next theory. <laughs> so you don't want to hear about the epic of Gilgamesh? No. no. <laughs> wow, I, you know what? Shocking. You can send me a memo. All right. Uh, I'm going to shout out AJ Nigels, who can who made a big list of tiny theories, which is adorable. The center of the Ghost Nation religion, so to speak, is worshiping the humans at the center of the Valley Beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they have been protecting humans. That's one of the things that... The, That's a theory? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, looking Ghost at the, Nation and the Valley Beyond are tied in together. We'll we'll see what happens there. And then I also kind of want to discuss actually what Kate said on Sunday's episode of our podcast, which I thought was really interesting after watching the promo for next week's episode. Uh-huh. Uh, and sh- after we see that Akechita seems to have had a wife that got kidnapped or whatever, Kate brought up that what if Maeve, like the father of Maeve's daughter, is Akechita in like right. a former life? Yeah, I think that- uh. Hmm, yeah. I think that will I think there will probably be like ah reveal like that at some point in the season. I don't think it'll be everybody. 
Yeah. So could Maeve has been could Maeve have been Ghost Nation as part of a prior life? Like that that could also be in play because we see her eyes open at the end of that promo. Yeah, I think that's feasible. I mean, I'm not sure if we're supposed to read into, I mean, anything overly literal about that, but sure. I mean, I I, I guess. I, I mean, I I mean, yeah, it seems so. The idea is that the, like the wife else, that we the wife that we saw in the teaser for next week's episode at some point there'll be like a slow fade that it'll turn out that she was Maeve all along. Uh, maybe, but I, I was I was thinking that maybe that she Maeve either replaced her or what got replaced by her. Uh, either way, Maeve will realize that she's part of a cycle. That even her, that she like the idea of her chasing down her daughter. Maybe her daughter was originally Ketchita's daughter, and that she just like was as freaked out as she was to see that she'd been replaced. She herself replaced some, like replaced the Kachita in some way where they were together. Okay. But I think, I think that that's interesting because I think that that actually would really mirror what's going on with Bernard. I'm not sure that everything has to be tied in that tightly, but I agree. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of mirroring that will happen throughout the show, but that's, that doesn't seem like, that I, that's not like an aha moment to me. If well, that's- I find it interesting. In the what what could make it an aha moment is if you believe the Charlotte Hale one. You're talking about taking cornerstone memories, so the absolute cornerstone of identity for Arnold or uh-huh. for Bernard, which is that his son his is son, dead. Yeah, and J.K. Your daughter is alive. Right. And then if you take Maeve, whose cornerstone is the daughter, it's like eh, not really your daughter, kind of. And when you start alter, like fundamentally altering the foundation of those cornerstone memories. What that does to identity is a much more interesting question um, in retrospect for the season. So if you think about what the season's going to be about, if season one was really about finding the self, season two, you know, the valley beyond whatever it is. I think that if you start tinkering with those core identity things, that's a much more interesting question about what self is. Sure. But it also kind of ruins the reveal of Bernard if someone else has the same story. Yeah. Don't we all have the same story? Okay. No, we don't. No, we don't. Next, next theory. Let's go. You think Strand and Co. are clone hosts being controlled by Ford? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Next theory. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I wanted to shout out before that's not a theory is, did you guys see, because we talked about this before, previously on Westworld thing, they've completely changed the last two weeks and it's been incredible. I've not noticed, no. No, I saw two weeks ago. I don't think I saw this. They week. made I mean, it. Like, it's just music and percussive cuts. Oh, it's right. It's not like any, nobody's really talking. And also, it kind of jumps around the okay. timelines. Yeah, and so it's kind of like game. It, it, to me, it's like exactly what Game of Thrones should do. Exactly what this show. I, I, th- I think it makes because sometimes they just pick a weirdly specific scene from forever ago, and you're like, uh-huh. oh, thanks, like telegraphing exactly what's going to happen. Yes. And they've actually figured out how to do it in like literally the last two two episodes. Yeah, I thought that was that's cool. That was okay, last theory. Remember, good old Bill, who tells Ford. One of his three lines, here's to the lady with the white shoes. She'll take all your money and drink all your booze. Ain't got no cherry, but that ain't no sin. She still got the box the cherry came in. What if the cherry is a metaphor for the cradle? And that that is actually one of the low-key, like, like prophecies, so to speak, of the first two seasons. And that we will see Bill in the cradle, the idealized version of him that actually works. Hey, wouldn't the cherry be the, like a brain ball? <laughs> yeah, no, maybe, yeah. And the, so it could be a brain ball, but like the composite of all the brain balls, the wonder balls. 
because it's because they specifically call them virgin hosts, right? Right. And obviously that's oh yeah. Okay. So yep. there has to be some type. This is about creation. This is about the Garden of Eden. Like there has to be some connection to that. That is actually the one thing left that makes a lot of sense. That is the first thing we hear anyone tell Ford in the entire show, and then Ford just you know it's this weird conversation. But looking back, if Ford is going to degrade, if Ford is going to die or whatever at the end of the season in some capacity. We have to return to Bill. And in the context, I don't think anything makes more sense than Bill existing in the cradle, and we can kind of see what he was supposed to be. Yeah. So hmm. I think that that's the number one thing, to actually, to, to look out for in the next few episodes is Bill. Bill is the key to all this. Bill is the key. Bill is the key. After all of this, after Bill, all of these hours of podcasts, Bill, Wild Bill is the key. He's, yeah. Glitchy face-ass Bill. Deadass. Yes. We were talking a little bit over text message that like there's a lot of stuff in the first couple episodes of season one that it's sort of hard to distinguish between talk about like the unreliable narrator that is like at the core of this show that like, you know, the showrunners themselves are sort of unreliable in the way that they present all the information to us. But there's this tension and that there's all these rumors out there that the show started off. It was sort of a rocky beginning and they did a lot of re-editing of the beginning. I'm I'm right, right? The Mm -hmm. first like few episodes were heavily reworked and and um they stopped and started again, and there was some, you know, whatever. You can write off a lot of. I mean, it was easy to sort of like gloss over some of the things in the in the at the beginning of season one as just being remnants of the discarded husk that that used to be the show. Um, but whether, but maybe that we sh- maybe everything was totally deliberate, and maybe, and this is what I've come to is that even if it was, even if it were, even if they were like you know discarded pieces. I'd like I, I like the idea that they're like working really hard to make those discarded pieces matter now. Mm. All of that is to say, Wild Bill could have just been a little ephemeral. Like it's just a color, like a bit of color in that scene, and making Ford seem you know wistful or whatever. But yeah, I like the idea of him yeah. mattering. Who knows? Jeffrey Wright has said in interviews that he went back and watched the pilot after he they read the script for the season and filmed it, and he said that there were neon bread cl- breadcrumbs blinking. Now, we've now come to assume that that meant the, la- like, we'll raise the dead like Lazarus line, but I think mm-hmm. that when we look back, it'll be the it'll be the Bill line more than anything. All right. Okay. I'm in. Wild Bill it is. So season three is just Wild, the adventures of Wild Bill? Season, no, it's season, getting a spinoff. Like season three, season three, drinking to the lady with the white shoes. <laughs> Who is the lady with the white shoes? Dolores? Maybe it's a metaphor for the hosts. Wait, wasn't the 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 lady that first welcomed William Angela. to yeah Angela? She was wearing white shoes. She was, and but Dolores had that same outfit on when she was playing piano. And yes, so it could be Dolores, but I think it's probably a metaphor. I didn't know this show had metaphors. That's sort of shocking. It's a first. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for all those theories, Micah. Thank you for enjoying. Them. You know, I I would only do it for you two. And everybody listening, thanks for listening. (laughs) We'll see you back here on Sunday, amigos. 